isn't going to be easy. And I think the idea that it's so obvious that he's just going to be removed and it'll be some easy fight is not true. I think it's going to be a big, difficult fight, and it's actually going to be a challenge to prove to the judge that he is still not the right person to manage her finances, setting aside all of these personal things. Welcome to the Wealth and Law Podcast. I am Brent Nelson, and per usual, I am joined by Rachel Sass. Rachel, how are you? I am good. How are you doing? Doing very well, because it rained today. It did. It was cloudy like all day today, and yeah. a little bit of drizzle. It was like in the 70s most of the day, and it rained pretty hard, gotta say. Yeah? For uh, like late morning showers in Tucson, that's kind of rare. You don't really get that kind of rain. Mhm. Yeah, I agree. Did you see the um we had a tornado warning last week? Did you see I that? I did. One? I was driving in my car. Oh no. When it went off. It was south of us. We were driving on I-8 and interestingly, that same storm at one point on I-8 was blowing the dust so hard we had to pull over. And there were a bunch of cars all pulled over on the side of the interstate like you couldn't see anything. Oh, and then God. not too long after that, so the wind let up and then we continued on. Not too long after that, the rain starts absolutely lashing and it started to hail and it was coming down so hard again, everybody was pulling off the road. So we ended I kind of tucked in behind this big semi on the side of the road and to wait it out. And it took 10 or 15 minutes for it to kind of lighten up enough. But before then, like it was absolutely sheets of hail and rain. Man. Yeah. Very bizarre. Anybody who lives in the Midwest is like me. But <laughs> for us, that was very bizarre. Yeah. You don't you don't really know what to do. You're just like, ah, oh, what do I I can't see? I can't drive. Uh, what do I do? What do I do? <laughs> no, and we don't have roads that are set up for this kind of weather. So no, anybody who no. doesn't live here who's listening to this, or doesn't live in Arizona who's listening to this, like where you live, they might have like reflectors on the side of the road and and deep cut channels with the reflectors so they can't get covered up or like raised reflectors and things so you can actually see them in low light situations. We don't have that. So <laughs> when it really starts to rain or snow or whatever it is, you cannot see the edges of the road. Mm -hmm. They're just they just vanish. And so that's basically what happened. I couldn't see the edge of the road. I knew I was basically in the middle of my lane because I could see this semi truck next to me in the right hand lane. And then when it pulled off the road, I saw where it pulled off. So I figured like if I just follow it, I know I'm not going to go off the shoulder. So I just kind of followed right after it and tracked it off the off the interstate. But it was crazy. Man, that's scary. That's definitely yeah. scary. Cause you, you don't like say you don't encounter that ever. So it's it's just really just surprising and shocking and what do you do mm -hmm. but you survived you survived i survived i'm here <laughs> hasn't got me yet <laughs> monsoon won't win mm -mm. No. <laughs> i mean usually it's just the dust it's not the dust and then followed by uh that kind of rain so it was very it was very bizarre we got the full the full spectrum yeah. usually it's like the dust and then just enough rain that it cakes your car in this sort of like <laughs> dusty concrete. At least my car was clean afterwards. Yeah, I was about to say, yeah, if it rained hard enough, you know, should mm -hmm. clean it mostly up. That's pretty mm -hmm. good, at least. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of storm 
storm clouds, I thought that we should maybe circle around and talk about one of our favorite topics, the Britney Spears case. Yes. Hashtag because free Britney. Hashtag free Britney. We've uh, covered it before with our good friend Joe Ferrucci. Uh, so Joe's not here with us today. So he was our our voice of California reasons. So everybody listening to this has to understand that all of this comes with an enormous grain of salt that we're not California lawyers. So we're just sort of this is as best as we seem to understand the California rules. And if uh, if we're wrong about something about the California rules, it's totally our fault and nobody should rely on us to begin with. But uh, there's that big caveat before we dive into this. But there have been things happening in that case, Rachel. A lot. A lot has happened this summer. I feel like since we, when we spoke about it last was right when the documentary had just came out and everyone watched it and thought, oh my gosh, what is this conservatorship? And that's, we got to explain to the world what a conservatorship actually was. And there's been so much movement since then. And it's really interesting to see just the little bits and pieces that are going and kind of where it might actually play out now. So that's what I thought we would talk about. It's just kind of where it has, where the conservatorship has gone since we last spoke, since the documentary came out, which was what, three, four months ago-ish, um, probably like beginning of summer, and where we're at today and where maybe our predictions for the rest of this year. All right. I like that. I love the predictions. Then we can come back and see if we were right. Maybe by quick recap for anybody who didn't catch it, a conservatorship is when the court appoints somebody to manage the finances for somebody else. And then she also has a guardianship of the quote unquote person. And that just means there's a person appointed to make uh, decisions about her welfare and like personal well-being. You know, where does she go to the doctor? When does that happen? Who calls the dentist who sets the appointments, all, where does she live? That's the things that a guardian, things that a parent would do is basically what a what a guardian would do. OK, so all of that and anybody who might have in their mind about the Britney case, how could this happen? Just know it can. I think that's suffice it to say it can and it has. And there's a judge involved. So it's not like this is just being imposed by by family members. There is actually a judge involved in the case, has been involved in the case for a very long time. So there's a neutral third party who's making these legal decisions. It's not just the family members who are involved in the case. So I think we can clear that up right up front. That's a really good point to bring up. Yeah, a lot of it, now that you've you've seen what a conservatorship is, there's been a lot of movies and TV shows about conservatorships that I feel like have come out lately, and then they kind of show it and not the best light. They they seem to show it as very much a this can happen to you no matter what. And it, it absolutely can happen. But again, it is a court process. You do have a judge that is going to rule on something at the end of the day. There is a judicial process, not like tomorrow. Someone's going to knock on your door and say you have a conservatorship imposed on you and you've never even heard about this before. So that's definitely a good thing to to remember going into this. And it's good to remember in, in Brittany's case, her conservatorship has been around since the late 2000s. I believe it was 2008 that it was imposed. She's had it all this time. And, you know, there's always been the conspiracy theories about what's been going on behind the scenes. But now it's kind of officially starting to come to light how Brittany actually feels about the conservatorship. So, you know, we had the documentary and Everyone just kind of commented that Brittany is, you know, in prison and locked in this 
horrible, horrible conservatorship, but we never actually heard from Brittany. You had the cryptic messages that people were trying to decipher over social media, but no one actually heard her speak. Well, that changed. That was one of the first things that happened since the documentary came out. And I feel like that's really what got the ball rolling and how we've gotten to this point today. So on June 23rd, Brittany actually testified in court. It was over 20 minutes of testimony. I guess it was technically through over telephone because in the age of COVID, we don't have in-person hearings. But she testified to the judge and you could tell it was not a, you know, scripted, you know, an attorney wrote it for her. This came out of Britney Spears' own mouth. And she said that she was very unhappy with her conservatorship. She felt that she was being abused and nothing, no one was taking her seriously, not actually considering her interests and what she wanted. And she asked the judge to remove her dad. She said she does not want her dad anymore and that she was going to fight it as much as possible. And so that was the first thing. Nothing ever happened. You know, there's no petitions filed, nothing at that point. It was just Britney's testimony. But that was the first time we actually heard it coming from her own mouth that she's not happy with her dad as conservator. Yeah. And it, Ed, to your point, it was quite unscripted. So this was it did seem like that testimony, that testimony was very much Britney and Britney's ideas and that she probably had not been coached on exactly what to say. And the reason I say that, not as a critique, just as a sort of general comment, is because she didn't necessarily say all the things that maybe a lawyer would want their client ideally to say, because it's she sort of ventured into to parts that weren't exactly that relevant to the legal basis of the case. But, you know, that's not that important. I'm just saying that from that, it's pretty clear to me that she was not coached on precisely what to say, that this was more just her her speaking her own mind. Interestingly, I, I recall reading after that hearing, the judge's comment was essentially, well, if you file something, I will consider it. But they hadn't filed anything so that, you know, the hearing was an interesting hearing, but ultimately they hadn't done anything. And in the legal process, you have to actually formally ask the court to take action. You typically do that by filing something with the court, but they hadn't filed the thing that you need to file with the judge to get the judge to make a decision. So you have to follow these procedural rules in order for the judge to be activated uh, and to jump into the case. You can't just say it. You have to actually formally ask for it. So there was a there seemed to be a gap. I mean, was that your impression too? a gap between what was being said and then what was actually being done in the court? Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. It was definitely she. And that's I think it goes to the point of how it you could tell it wasn't scripted testimony where she was basically saying what she wanted as a result. But like you said, we have to do step A, B, and C in order to try and get to those results. And so I think that really shows to the the truth of what Brittany actually really wanted. And then, you know, seeing if all of that actually plays out then in the future with petitions being filed. And not too long after that hearing, if I have the timeline right, her court-appointed lawyer, this Samuel Ingram character, resigned. And the judge allowed Brittany to pick her own lawyer, which apparently back in 2008, the judge at the time had decided that she didn't really have the mental capacity to make that decision for herself. But the judge apparently agreed now that she does have the mental capacity to select her own her, her own uh, attorney. And so she was allowed to select her own attorney. That, to me, is really where the case starts to turn in the in the last month or two. Absolutely. Yeah. And right around that time, too, right after her testimony, her mother actually filed a petition in support of her 
uh, hiring her own attorney and letting the court know that she believes her daughter is in a different uh, mental state than she was back in 2008, that she has the capacity, she believes that her daughter has the capacity to do so and, and supports that decision. And so I think that really helps too, you know, seeing the other family members kind of come out of the, the shadows now and, you know, support some of the petitions that were being filed. Right after that, or right around during that time as well, when her court-appointed attorney asked the court to resign, the co-conservator of her, the estate also asked the court to resign. So that was Bessemer Trust. And what was interesting is Bessemer Trust was just appointed as a co-conservator maybe six months to a year prior to this. So they they actually hadn't been apparently formally appointed. It's just kind of bit, they were in the process of starting to get the documents, things like that. Everyone knew that they were going to be the, the co-conservator. Uh, but it, after hearing her testimony and then, you know, kind of seeing the things start to unravel, Bessemer Trust petitioned the court to resign. They didn't want any part of it anymore. And the court did approve their resignation. So officially right now, Jamie Spears is the sole co-conservator so of Britney's estate. Yeah, which is really interesting to me because my understanding, and I may have misunderstood this, but my understanding was that when Bessemer Trust came in as a co-trustee, it was a bit of a compromise to some controversy over um, Brittany's dad previously that you'd have, you know, it was like he was had some issues. I can't remember if there were health issues or somebody was trying to remove him now, but sort of irrelevant. But Bessemer Trust, I believe, at that point had come in as a bit of a make weight to sort of make things right. So to see them step out now is very interesting, certainly uh, in consideration to to what's coming up down the road. Yeah. And I think actually, if, if I recall right, on our last podcast, when we were talking to Joe about this, one of my predictions was that Bessemer Trust would actually probably take over as sole conservator. So unfortunately, I'm, I'm over one. Oh, so no. I'm not doing so good. <laughs> I did not. Credibility tarnished. <laughs> We're going to see if I get the next six, six months right. But yeah, I, I didn't see that one coming. I agree with you. I thought that Bessemer Trust was supposed to be that independent third party that was going to come in and make sure that, you know, we, we weren't having this, you know, abuse of her father, kind of, you know, all the theories going on there. And so when they stepped back, that to me um, was a big indicator of where this conservatorship might go now that we don't have that neutral third party anymore in the picture. Yeah, it's very interesting. And apparently afterwards, uh, some spokespeople from Bessemer indicated that when they were initially asked to get involved by Brittany's former court-appointed counsel, Samuel Ingram, they were told that the conservatorship was, quote-unquote, voluntary, meaning that Brittany had volunteered to be under the conservatorship. Maybe that was true in 2008. I don't know. But but then after this hearing that you were referencing where she clearly made it known that she was not happy with it and, and not happy with the arrangement, uh, apparently Bessemer Trust decided that they had been led into that role under false pre pretenses and they wanted out. Now, maybe they had other reasons for it as well. But as banks do, sometimes they don't like to be in the limelight in these sorts of uh, celebrity, paparazzi, rich squabbles. But uh, you know, so whether that was the sole reason why Bessemer decided to pull the plug, I don't know. Uh, it's interesting that Britney's estate apparently is worth somewhere around $60 million, which is a lot of money. OK, I don't want to downplay that that is a lot of money. However, for a company like Bessemer Trust, that is not a make or break kind of uh, value of money to manage. 
So whether they have that estate or not, it's not like their quarterly reports are going to go through the charts or, or not. I mean, it's just not going to make an enormous difference to them. It's a very, very big company that manages a significantly larger amount of funds than $60 million, even though $60 million in and of itself is a tremendous amount of money. Yeah, that's a good point to to bring up. Um, you know, one thing that was also happening around this time, kind of connected with the Britney Spears conservatorship, but taking us back a little bit, is, you know, this, again, hitting big news, right? Everyone's talking about hashtag free Britney now. It's all in, in the public. And it has gotten the attention of Congress, too, even. Our politicians love celebrity gossip just as much as all of us do. Absolutely. <laughs> Who doesn't? Who doesn't? But so during all of this, in July, there actually has been a bill introduced in the House. It's called the Free Act, after hashtag Free Britney. Um, and it's a bipartisan act uh, to change the way that conservatorships across the country can be dealt with. And so if this bill, you know, were to pass and actually get signed into law, then it would allow individuals who are under a conservatorship to request that their conservator be replaced by someone else. And it kind of gives them a more, I guess, streamlined process than kind of how it, how it is currently. And I think that's one thing we talked about, too, in our last podcast is that, you know, conservatorships are very state based. So every state is different. So the process that Britney Spears is going through in California might be a little bit different here in Arizona, might be a little bit different in Texas. So I guess this act, you know, they're trying to streamline the process, make it as simple as possible. So you don't have these, you know, allegations of abuse and not being able to get out of a, you know, being able to remove your conservator. Whether that act actually goes anywhere, we will see. Um, but it's just something that's kind of interesting that's kind of come along with all of the the Britney Spears movement. Definitely. Yeah, it's a really interesting byproduct. I don't know that the case would be exactly the way it is in California if it were, for example, in Arizona. And part of that is California has its own set of rules. It, among a few other states, they just like do their own thing. Surprise, surprise. Arizona is instead, like many other states, and it has a set of guardianship conservatorship statutes that are based on uniform acts that many states have adopted. And so from state to state, the, the laws are quite similar. So Arizona has what's called the Uniform Probate Code. Well, one of the policies, and stated right in the, uni the Uniform Probate Code, if you read the comments to the people who wrote the Uniform Probate Code, is that a conservatorship is supposed to be structured to be the least restrictive arrangement possible or the re least restrictive arrangement that's necessary for that person. So it strikes me that given that policy, and I don't know if California has a similar policy, so somebody in California who's smarter than me will have to address that, but at least in Arizona, given that policy, it seems like you could quite easily ask the court to rejig or retailor the conservatorship for Brittany so that it is in its least restrictive form, which may not be total control. You know, you, you're gonna give, could very easily give her some control over her own finances that are not then subject to the conservatorship. I could easily see that happening in Arizona under our statute and under the policy in this state. So to your point, from state to state, the rules can vary drastically. Definitely. Okay, so then early-ish July, Brittany gets this new lawyer guy named Matthew Rosengart, who apparently is a, well, I had no idea who he was because I'm a nobody, but 
apparently a very well-known celebrity litigator in L.A. So now she's got her own hand-picked lawyer who is known to be a litigator. And that is quite clearly what he is. Absolutely. Yeah, he he got going right away. So pretty much right after he got fired, well, when he got appointed, I think he made his public statement saying that we are going to immediately file documents trying to get her her father removed as conservator. And he definitely said he was going to take a very aggressive approach to this and that Brittany totally supports it. So he followed up with what he said to the public. And in late July, he filed a petition to remove Jamie Spears as Britney's conservator and to replace him. So again, not ending the conservatorship. We are replacing her father with a third party. So they have requested the court to appoint Jason Rubin. He's a CPA um, and to have him be the new conservator. So I think that's a big thing right there. I think there's, you know, two big points. First is that Obviously, we're finally asking the court formally to remove her father as a conservator. And then the second big point is that we are not ending that conservatorship, that obviously between the two of them, between Brittany and her lawyer, they have discussed that she likely still needs this conservatorship. Who Who knows if it's indefinitely or if it's just for a couple years, who knows? But right now, she likely needs this conservatorship, and so it's not the time to ask the court to terminate it, rather removing her father as the conservator, which I think really goes and addresses Brittany's concerns based on her testimony in court. You know, her biggest concern was that her father was, you know, abusing his privileges and that he had too much control over her. And so I think really, you know, when you look at all of that, if you remove that conservator who apparent who allegedly has this abuse of power, you know, terminating the conservatorship, yeah, it's it's going to go and it's going to fix that, but it's it's going a little too far. So this is going to fix the problem at hand, and it's a reasonable request from the court. It it, it is, and I think after her testimony, the court is really going to take um, this petition seriously. Yeah, that'd be my expectation that the judge will definitely take it seriously. And now I don't know if this is is going to be part of the court filings. I assume it will be, but what I have read, assuming these reports are accurate is that her dad is not on speaking terms with her and possibly has not been really on speaking terms with her for several years. That is a recipe for disaster. I mean, that is almost impossible to fulfill the role that he's supposed to be fulfilling and not be able to communicate with her directly for the relationship personally to have been so broken that they can't even communicate with one another. And that If I was the judge in the case, I would say that is completely untenable and there's an easy solution to this this situation. It it is to appoint another party, probably a third party, like if this Jason Rubin character is uh, qualified to do the job, then, you know, maybe that's the right person. But uh, I, I just found that very interesting that they're really apparently, according to reports, not even on speaking terms. And I just can't even fathom how under those circumstances, if that is true. Her dad is going to continue in that role for much longer. Yeah, I I completely agree. You know, you and I, we help with conservatorship cases. And when you have a conservator, they are supposed to act in the best interests of the conservatee. And I don't know how you could do that without possibly speaking to them, and especially over a period of years. Uh, when we have clients who are conservators, they speak to the clients, even if they, you know, you're, you're just handling 
the estate. You're just handling the financial aspect. You're not the person who's making the medical decisions for them. Still, you know, if you're obviously approving, like in Britney Spears case, a trip to Hawaii recently, I think you probably want to talk to her about why that trip is good for her. I mean, Hawaii seems great to me for anybody, but you know, you should be on speaking terms to understand why the, the conservative would need certain expenses. And so to, to, to your point, if they're not on speaking terms, I, I don't see that going well in his favor at all. It also doesn't appear, again, from the reports, assuming that they're accurate, that he's on very good speaking terms with Ms. Montgomery, who is the guardian of her person. And again, if that is true, it's an untenable circumstance for him to be in that role where he's supposed to be acting in Brittany's best interests, to not even be able to really speak and communicate communicate clearly with her guardian, let alone her, is not sustainable. So my, if we're doing predictions, my prediction is he's not long for that job. He's going to be removed and he's going to be replaced by somebody else because that is the easy road. That's the easy answer to this situation. And nobody has a God-given right to be a conservator. Yep. I agree with you. I'm going to take that bet with you there. Um, I don't, I don't think he's going to be able to last long as the conservator. There's been kind of like side battles between her conservative, conservative, the person Jody Montgomery and her father. And it seems like J Jody Montgomery, while I don't see a lot of petitions that were filed, you know, telling the court how much she, she's supporting Britney. There's been a lot of public statements about how she supports Britney's decision in getting the new attorney and, you know, continuing, you know, trying to fight for what she thinks is best for her. And so, yeah, I think it's he's he's kind of got a, a lot of enemies, if you could say, um, kind of going forward into this next stage of battle. And so it doesn't doesn't look well for him. Now, he does have a few things going for him. OK, so first of all, uh, Jamie, sorry, her dad. Uh, first of all, he is her dad. And it's very likely that under the California statute, he has a pretty high priority to be appointed to that role for her. And therefore, the judge is going to have to find some good reason, at least as I understand California law, the judge is going to have to find some good reason why he should not be the conservator, right? The the initial presumption is going to be he he's the right person for the job. So then the judge is going to have to be presented with information that suggests that there is good cause for him not to be uh, her conservator. Okay. So being the being her dad actually probably weighs in his favor. In addition to that, he has been in this role since 2008. That is a long time, and it is pretty apparent, at least numerically, that he has done a pretty good job. And the job of a conservator ultimately is a financial management job. It, I haven't heard anybody argue that her finances have not done very well over that period of time. So I'm, I would anticipate that he is going to argue to the judge, look, judge, not only am I her dad, and of course I care about her because she's my own daughter and I want the best for her, but I've also done a really exemplary job. Some other person that you put in this in this role is not going to do a better job or at least a materially better job than I have done. And in fact, it's going to be difficult for them to even do as good a job as I am doing now in the short term because they're going to have to get up to speed on a very complex financial situation, you know. This Jason Rubin guy, if he isn't sort of an expert in in the entertainment industry and the contracts and the way that the business works, 
he may not be able to do as good a job as her dad, who's got now for say 14 years of experience in this particular role managing her career, you know, let alone probably what he was doing beforehand. So he does have those things going for him. And even though I think in the end he's going to be removed from that role, it isn't going to be easy. And I think the idea that it's so obvious that he's just going to be removed and it'll be some easy fight is not true. I think it's going to be a big, difficult fight, and it's actually going to be a challenge to prove to the judge that he is still not the right person to manage her finances, setting aside all of these personal things. You know, just looking at it objectively is like, what is the actual role of this person? It is to manage finances, that he is not the right person to do that. You bring up a really, really good point. And I think this is something that a lot of people kind of neglect to consider when thinking about conservatorships, and especially in Britney Spears's case, which is that the opinion of the conservatee is not the only opinion that is considered here. It's obviously going to be, it's an important factor to consider, but it's not the only factor. And you think about let's just say children, all right? You know, when children sometimes disagree with their parents, I hate my parents, I want nothing to do with them, blah, 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 blah. I'm not saying Britney Spears is a child, not not making that analogy at all, but it's just going to show that one person opinion, one person's opinion is not going to be the sole determining factor. So while Britney Spears' testimony is really important and it really sheds light on how she feels as a conservatee, that's not the only thing the court is going to consider. To your point, Brent, that they are going to look at how he's done during this entire time, how her estate has 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 fared over the last few years. And I mean, I guess you could kind of compare maybe different maybe investment rattles and you know if if someone else could have done it could they have gotten more better rate of return which that would all be of course just hypothetical and everyone's just kind of conjuring up what they think but it's something to consider so if the court doesn't remove her father the other option would be then having this new person Jason Rubin as a co-conservator right having kind of them pop in like Bessemer Trust so then they can get involved in the conservatorship, get up to speed without having this huge break in the two conservators who are controlling and managing all of the assets. So that's something that could still definitely happen. Yeah, absolutely. And it's uh, it's anybody's guess what will happen, although, of course, we have sort of we, we drew the line in the sand for us. We think he's he's ultimately going to be removed, uh, but it's not clear cut. Mm-hmm. And I, I I see a lot of media out there that makes it sound like. It's almost like a slam dunk that he's going to be removed because, you know, quote unquote, obviously he's got this bad relationship with Brittany. But I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's as clear cut as some of the media reports are making it out to be. So one of the more recent things that happened was apparently the hearing relating to uh, Jamie Spears's removal was set for September 29th. Uh, Her attorney tried to get that accelerated till the 23rd of August. And just today, the judge said, no, we're not going to accelerate the hearing. Didn't give any explanation, just said no. Yeah. And I think that goes to your point of this is complicated. This is really complicated. We're not going to rush this, right? The judge is not going to rush this just because of public pressures and everyone thinking that it is so easy. It's not easy. You know, both sides are going to have to come up with all their arguments. I honestly don't even know if they'd be able to make any progress really after that first hearing. I feel like, you know, both sides are going to present, you know, all their testimony at the hearing, and then there might be 
potentially a second hearing, you know, for more evidentiary support on why he might need to be removed and why he why he should stay. I don't think that we will see a conclusion to whether or not Jamie Spears will be removed until, honestly, I would say October, November, even December, really. Because you think if, if this hearing is now in late September, the judge is not going to rule right away, right? The judge is going to consider everything and review all the documents. And so we're not going to get a decision that day. And if there's going to be further hearings that are needed, we can get pushed back into the holidays for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. It's not, I don't think it's going to be a quick decision. I don't think the judge is just going to decide right there on the spot during the hearing for all the reasons that you're pointing out. In addition to that, there's tremendous amounts of scrutiny on the case and judges are people like everybody else. And I think the judge is going to be very circumspect and and deliberate in the way that the judge handles the case. Boy, I'm getting all choked up about this case. <clears throat> but the judge is going to be very deliberate and take her time to make a reasoned decision because there's going to be a lot of scrutiny. Yeah, definitely. I agree with you. So that's pretty much where we leave it at, which is where we're at today. One thing too, I kind of want to know is just the, the kind of random doesn't matter stuff that may seem like it matters in this, in the conservatorship. Um, I remember just the other day I saw an article about how, it's it's absolutely horrible that Jamie or yeah that that Britney Spears did not approve a five hundred thousand dollar expense. I don't I don't I didn't read the article, so I didn't see what the expense was. I don't know the little bit of details, but like those little things that that does not matter right now in this big picture of is Jamie Spears going to be removed and is the conservatorship ever going to be ended? That does not matter. And from my experience, what I've seen, the conservatees never get a say in the expenses. That That is what the conservator does. That is their one job is to manage and control all of the, the assets of the estate. And so if, you know, he bought, he used $500,000 for legal fees or whatever may be, that doesn't have to be ran by Brittany. What he's going to have to do is he's going to be, be preparing an account to the court He'll show the court every single dollar down to the penny of what he spent over the last year or however the, the term is for that for that accounting period. And then the court is going to review it and make sure it's all reasonable. And that's who approves it at the end of the day. The judge approves it at the end of the day. So hearing about Brittany being upset that an expense was made without her permission, that doesn't matter. It's it's actually that that really doesn't matter in the big picture. Nope, nope. It really doesn't, to your point. It's like, well, that's his job. His job is to make just financial decisions. And if he wasn't making financial decisions, that it's, in and of itself would be a reason to remove him from that position. So, of course, he's going to continue to fulfill the role that he's been appointed to fulfill, whether or not somebody wants to remove him in the interim. I, I've also seen a lot of press about uh, supposed outrage that Brittany just recently got her first iPad. Uh, and how that somehow shows the abuse that she's been subjected to because of this conservatorship. I don't think I don't think it's fair to say that absence of an iPad in somebody's life is equivalent to abuse, but that's just one person's opinion. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I agree. I don't have an iPad. Oh, I guess I have an iPad, but it's probably like 10 years old or something. So it's not the mm -hmm. latest and greatest. Hmm. I wouldn't say I'm being abused in my relationship, not getting, I mean, I could tell my husband right now, I need a new iPad apparently, but 
I, yeah, I, I agree with you. You know, we just saw a bunch of publicity about Britney going to Hawaii. So obviously she is still living her life. She has her boyfriend. It's, you know, things obviously from what, what we hear and what the press is saying. We, we're never going to get the full picture. We're never going to see everything. But again, the fact that no one has actually re formally requested a court to end the conservatorship, I think that's a big takeaway right there is that Brittany at least understands at this point in, in the day and age that she needs this conservatorship. Yeah. And you brought it up earlier, uh, Rachel, quite rightly. The fact that she and her lawyer are not asking to end the conservatorship, I think it tells quite a bit about her capacity, her state, the the needs that she has, you know, the infrastructure that she needs around her to really operate at, at maximum capacity. I think it's quite telling. It could be that they made a strategic decision that they would rather go for Jamie Spears because he's the easier target. And if they win that battle, maybe they'll come after ending the, the conservatorship as well. But I think you can fairly read into the fact that they did not, even if they're intending to try to end the conservatorship, go for that goal first, that it is the much harder mountain to climb. Definitely. Definitely. I think let's let's see where we can go. If we can get Jamie Spears removed, see how her assets are, how things fare over a period of time. And then if if she truly wants to try and end the conservatorship, then at that time they can do the actual formal petition to do it. But at this time, I think this is the 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 right way to go. Yeah. And it, it seems like that's the way they're uh, they're proceeding strategically. Well, all very interesting. We'll we'll wait to see what happens at the end of September at this hearing. And uh, once maybe the judge makes a ruling on the question of Jamie Spears's continued uh, involvement in this conservatorship, we'll have to revisit the topic uh, and update everybody on what has happened. Absolutely. The saga will continue. Yes, it will. I'm sure there will be all sorts of other little tidbits in the meantime, too. So we'll we'll catch everybody up on that later. Well, as always, it is a pleasure, Rachel. Thank you so much for doing it. Yeah, it's been fun. Hey, listeners, thank you so much for spending time with us. Rachel and I both really appreciate it. We've really enjoyed doing the podcast. We're trying to do our best work and bring you valuable and useful information. And I hope you feel the same way. And if so, please subscribe to the podcast, leave us reviews, uh, subscribe to our blog if you want to follow us and see the sort of things that we write about. And also follow us on social media at Wealth and Law, basically everywhere that social media is. Thanks so much. Thank you.